Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear a conversation between artistic director and principal choreographer Helgi Thomason and dance educator Mary Wood. This episode was recorded as part of our Points of View lecture series on January 30th, 2019, before a performance of Helgi Thomason and Yuri Posakov's Don Quixote. Hope you enjoy. Thank you, Jenny. And I'll add my welcome. It's a pleasure to be here again and to be uh, welcoming you to the first Points of View program of the 86th repertory season, which uh, hardly seems possible, but here we are. Um, And of course, I'm really delighted that artistic director and principal choreographer, Helgi Thomason, and I will be in conversation. Uh, This has become a little bit of a Uh, tradition now, this kickoff of the season, and I'm looking forward to the various aspects of what's happening in the company and what's happening down down this season. Um, As I was looking forward to sort of musing about our conversation, I did the math, and uh, indeed, this is your 34th season. That's correct, yeah. (laughs) Which makes you, if I'm done the math correctly, um, the longest-running director of San Francisco Ballet. Lou Christensen directed the company for 32 years. So there's a lot of history there. Thank you. I think it speaks to a little bit of stability, so that's a nice thing to to think about. Um, When we think about being an artistic director, uh, it's possible there are some misconceptions about the kinds of power, the things that you get to do and the things that you maybe don't get to do. But I did wonder if, in looking back over 34, give or take, years, is there anything that stands out as the most fabulous or the thing that gave you the most pleasure or was exciting or, you know, pick something that just jumps out of that 34 years? so many things. Um, (laughs) I think... um, going way back when we did Swan Lake for the first time on this stage and um, how well that was received and and the board members were just thrilled. I felt it was very necessary for the company to Mm -hmm. tackle something like that, a major Mm -hmm. full-length, classical full-length. And that was sort of, for me, a, a requirement to be considered a major company. Um, we did many other things uh, since then, Romeo and Juliet, uh, uh, other full lengths. Um, and also just seeing young dancers coming out of the school and growing and becoming uh-huh. company members and soloists and principals. That gives me a great pleasure to see that. Yeah. I wonder if you've reflected that there are actually dancers, I don't know if it's more than one, on stage uh, who are children of dancers that were in the company a generation ago. That's a little scary. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's when it gets scary. Um, likewise, looking um, sort of back over those years, when you put yourself in that place in 1985 and you were looking ahead at what it might be like to be an artistic director and then all these things have happened... Did anything take you by surprise? Was there anything that came up that you just said, oh, I don't know that I signed up for that? I think the, uh, for me personally, the biggest surprise was um, 
having stopped dancing a week before I took this job, uh, where I was in a studio with a choreographer, Balanchina Robbins, and they would be telling me, you know, I want to do this, try this, or whatever. And now I was on the other end of the studio telling dancers what they had to do. Yeah. And that was a, a big awakening because for me, it was all of a sudden, I was no longer a dancer. And um, having okay. danced all my life, that was a, a big awakening. But mm -hmm. somehow it, it has worked. <laughs> You've gotten used to be, being on that stool in yeah. the front. Um, and being on that stool in the front, part of your title is principal choreographer. And I believe that that has been there from the very beginning. And I wonder if you can share some of your thoughts about why it was important for you to be designated as not just the director, but the principal choreographer. Um, that's a good question. I, I think, trying to think back when it happened, was that um, I had no intention of ever being the main choreographer mm -hmm. or creating a better part of the repertory. I wanted to bring in other choreographers all along, but I, I was also starting out, or had just started out choreographing, and I wanted to make sure that uh, you know, I was recognized also as a choreographer, and being that I was doing quite a few of the full evening ballets, uh -huh. the classics, uh -huh. Uh -huh. I felt that it was uh, sort of appropriate to put that title there, and uh, it has been there since day one or whatever it was. I think so. And you've produced, according to the papers, um, over, they don't give it a number, they just say over 40 ballets. Something like that, I think. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we've talked a lot about um, the types of challenges you've faced and why you've created certain works, and I don't know if that's the most important topic for tonight, but um, as things are unfolding in the next um, seasons, are we going to see any more from our principal choreographer? Um, you got anything on the back burner? Good, good question. Even though I'm the, the artistic director, I can't always do what I want to do time-wise. Yeah. I have to accommodate the, the guest choreographers when they're available mm -hmm. um, and when we can accommodate them with rehearsal schedule. So um, what happens sometimes whatever crumbs are left, I get. <laughs> and um, sometimes there's just not enough time. Mm -hmm. Well, we look forward to. So to answer your question, I just, I'm not sure what's going to happen next couple of years in that regard. Mm -hmm. Okay, fair enough. Um, this audience and our greater audience follows our company with a great deal of faithfulness and um, concern and energy, and feels a great deal of interest in their dancers and wanting to know who they're going to see on stage this season. And so we have, as is kind of a tradition now in this kickoff, is we have a, some focus on the dancers who are promoted and the dancers who are new to the company. Um, one of the things that you've always said about the company is that you wanted, you were 
strongly concerned about the wide diversity of styles and quality training, which comes from all over the world. This particular year, I was struck with noting that there was a strong contingent promoted from within. And we might as well start with um, principal dancer, new principal dancer, Wei Wang. Yes, wonderful um, dancer. Yeah. yeah, and he has a, a really nice trajectory of coming up through the school, through the ranks, and uh, being promoted from apprentice to core to soloist and now to principal. Um, say a word or two about Wei Wang specifically, but also just that, that trajectory. Well, it, you, you notice the growth from a being an apprentice to a core member mm -hmm. and what they do and, and are given to dance, and they grow from that. Mm -hmm. And um, like I said earlier, he's a wonderful dancer, not in, only in the classical uh -huh. works, but also in the contemporary. Uh, he has a very pliable body for the, for the contemporary work, mm -hmm. and a wonderful classical technique, strong technique that he can use in the classical works. Mm -hmm. So it was just a given that I would uh -huh. give him more opportunities and, and promote him. Well, and it was exciting last year. He was in a lot of the new works, and then uh, a standout was a performance that I saw of Frankenstein in which he portrayed the creature. That's right, yeah. Um, it was a standout. Yeah, he was, he was great in that. <clears throat> um, others who have been promoted from the core to soloist rank um, include the ones that you're seeing, they're seeing behind us, okay. um, Ben Fremantle and Wona Park and Elizabeth Powell and um, Henry Sidford and Lonnie Weeks. And I think one of the things that I, I hear when I'm out in the audience or in the lobby and the buzz is that the audience has been watching these dancers for years. Right. And they watch them when they are just trainees in the back, and then they become core dancers, and then they become featured, and they're so excited when they read that they've gotten this great promotion. They feel a real ownership to it. What is I'm excited about it, yeah, too. Okay. I was going to say, what is your, uh, what are the triggers that you use when you are looking at how you're going to promote individuals? Um, there's no formula. I just, I watch them through their their seasons and, and see what, how they do well. And sometimes part of it is other choreographers come in here. Are they chosen a lot? Um, and how do they deal with those, that style of choreography? Uh, I think it's, uh, and all of them have worked very hard for what they, what they deserve to get. But having said that, um, I also have restraints put on my me with financially, you know, I can't promote everybody that I would like to. Because that must that's, be that, tough. That's part of it. Yeah. You know, the number of, of principals, number of soloists mm -hmm. I can have, mm -hmm. what that payroll means, you know. So sometimes um, some dancers might have to wait a little bit longer than mm -hmm. they, they would like to, but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that I don't recognize their talent. And that's one of the nice things about um, the less strict ranking system, I think, in American companies, that 
a guest choreographer, for instance, can pick a dancer in the core and feature that dancer. Yes, I've always felt that was important. And sometimes in some of the stricter, older school European companies, if you're not a soloist, you don't get to do a solo part. No, and you couldn't even be in front of a soloist on the stage. Oh, boy. You know, in the dance itself, you could not be. No, no, you had to be in the back. No, I think it makes a, a much better um, work possibility mm -hmm. for a choreographer mm -hmm. to be able to choose whomever they think is going to be best for their work and the creating of their work, being it a soloist or a quarter ballet or a principal. Um, I have always given them that freedom. I've never dictated to them and said, no, you cannot use that one or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, this was, as I said, exciting to see so many coming up um, through the ranks, being promoted from within. Um, this season, we have one dancer who came from the greater world. Um, you have, to reiterate, um, placed an emphasis on a broad international, um, let's say, net that you'll cast. And um, Vladislav Kozlov is, has come from afar, um, is new in our soloist ranks. How do you find this mental image of you just buzzing well, around the world. In this particular things. instance, um, it was someone that Yuri Posakov had worked with when he was in Russia, creating uh -huh. a work in Russia, and uh, recommended this, this young dancer to me very highly. And uh, so he came, and um, I thought this would be a, a good fit. Mm -hmm. But that's how I found this particular dancer. So and... He, and do you travel around with, an, with your eyes open? Um, yes, I always do. I always do. But I never, um, my policy has always been I never dive into another company and try to in steal a dancer. I, I just don't like that. But you've also mentioned that you're never short of a stack of resumes. I get a, a lot of applications, absolutely. A lot of DVDs being sent to us. And, uh, That's a luxury to... Yes, it is nice. Yeah. And one of the perks of being one of the strongest companies in the world, if I do say so. I think so, yes. Um, I want to move um, along. We have a bunch of new core dancers. I believe four of them were promoted from our apprentice ranks, which is good news. And three have come from the outside. Um, I don't know if I, I hope I don't leave anybody out, but I did want to uh, point out, Carmela Mayo is going to be seen in one of the um, little featured parts in Don Quixote. She's doing the Cupid, I believe. Am oh, I yes, that right? yes. Carmela, yes. She came from the school. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's just so exciting to watch them yeah. at this point, and when we're talking in another five years, they may be Who knows? Up. Yeah. And the all-important, um, I want to say last and absolutely not least, the apprentices. And as noted, they all trained in our school. Yes. Yeah. And so that, just sort of wrapping up this section of our conversation, um, the role of the school in relation to the company and how important you think Extremely that is. important. Uh, I mean, uh, <clears throat> that, that feeds basically the mm -hmm. company. Not that I don't take dance from the outside if I need a mm -hmm. certain type, mm -hmm. but the school is very, very important to us. Mm -hmm. and. I mean, just think of Nutcracker. 
we probably could not do Nutcracker performances mm -hmm. without the school. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it gives those young people a great opportunity to be up on this stage, dancing with the professionals and learning. And um, it, it's a mutual mm -hmm. benefit, really. So, uh, no, no, I think the school is extremely important for us. We always cite the example of George Balanchine, who had a part as a child in the Nutcracker at the Mariinsky Ballet. And now I can't remember what it was, but it was just one of the littlest parts in the Nutcracker. But that's the tradition. Yes. It's yes. to start from the school and to... Uh, Keep going. Um, well, moving on to looking more specifically at what's coming ahead this season, now that we know what the company looks like. Okay. Um, I might have to take a look. Oh, okay. Well, I'll give you some hints. Um, I think we would be remiss if we didn't do a very quick reflection on the Unbound New Works Festival. Right. Um, did it accomplish what you wanted it to? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, to bring 12 choreographers here, mm -hmm. uh, all choreographing and creating works at the same time mm -hmm. or over a period of three months mm -hmm. was quite fantastic and, and so exciting. And I think for the dancers themselves and for the choreographers, mm -hmm. I mean, they each knew each other or knew of one mm -hmm. another, mm -hmm. but they had never been in a place where they, you know, could go out and have dinner after the rehearsals and, uh -huh. and talk and, and uh -huh. get to know one another. So it, this was something that they enjoyed very much, besides, of course, the dancers in this company. Uh -huh. And then the works that were created, um, it sort of goes without saying that new works are, are, have an inherent risk. But all of those works seem to have been very strong. They were, yes. And we're... We've seen the company took six of those works to Washington, D.C. in the Kennedy Center last mm -hmm. fall. Right. And you will take a whole bunch, I can't remember how many, to uh, the U.K. London, yeah. To London next summer. Uh -huh. And we get to see five of them yes. this season. And so that's where we can jump into actually looking at pictures. Um, to be seen right away in the next couple of weeks is the new Justin Peck work, uh, Hurry Up, We're that, Dreaming. That's right. Um, we have now a couple of pieces by Justin Peck. Um, a couple of words about this one, the sneaker ballet. Um, I think it's very, um, how can I say, not only energetic, but it's, it's so today I mean, I think yeah. it appeals to a lot of young people. Um, maybe even dancing in sneakers does. You know, it's, it's different. And he's, he's so talented as a choreographer mm -hmm. that I was thrilled that he came up with such a wonderful work for us. Mm -hmm. It has had a great success when we took... That was one of the pieces we took to Kennedy Center. Yeah. And um, it, it's just... It's a very... How can I say now? Mm -hmm. The way young people dance and, and interact. And, and the music is an electronic score by a contemporary group, I hope I get this right, called M83. And you talk about appeal, appealing to a broad audience, but particularly a younger audience. Yes, yes. 
and I will confess, this is a little personal story, I um, was a little taken aback by the amplified music. And I made a comment to my daughter, who's a young adult, and it's to this group that something, you know, M83 something, and she said, oh, they're fabulous. I love that music. I listen to it all the time. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's the context. <laughs> well, I also tried to, to reach to any younger audience yeah. and work like this uh, does that in a, in a great way. And when we got a chance to see an excerpt from it at the gala last week, I was reminded about what extraordinarily challenging classical choreography is within it. Well, yes, because uh, Justin comes from a, a classically mm -hmm. trained background. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he's using that knowledge, but infused with sort of contemporary way of, bit, of, of yeah. moving. So moving through the season, the next um, program, which I think is program three, we'll see um, Snowblind, which I think it's fair to say was one of the top hits yes. of the 12. Extraordinary piece, extraordinary storytelling. A um, couple words. Well, it's, it's a very dramatic piece um, uh, by Kathy Marston, mm -hmm. who um, does a very much sort of theatrical mm -hmm. kind of dance mm -hmm. work, which I found was a good contrast to some of the other works that mm -hmm. were done mm -hmm. in The Unbound. Um, it's, it's touching. It gives the, the, the three dancers, the main leads, mm -hmm. a, a great opportunity to show emotions that sometimes are not called for or are hidden to a dancer. And I thought it was a great opportunity for them to, to experience that. And really brought some talent in our dancers to the surface. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Fabulous. Um, Moving on, um, one of my personal favorites, Your Flesh Shall Be a Great Poem by Trey McIntyre. Yes. And that will be coming around in the second half of the season, um, program oh, five. Five, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Winsome Songs by Chris Garnier. It was just a very different piece and yet so lovely and so successful. It, it was, had such very strong human quality mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think movement-wise, Trey uh, was a challenge to some of the dancers, what he wanted them uh -huh. to, to move and how. But I, again, this is what was so fantastic about this Unbound Festival. It gave the dancers such an incredible opportunity to experience different styles of choreography, work with different choreographers, and, and also to, just to see where this group of young, sought-after choreographers, where they were heading, what they want to do. So I think, yes, uh, Trey's piece was just beautiful. Lovely. Yeah. Um, and then on the same program, I believe, Program 5, uh, Christopher Wilden, who is no stranger to us, uh, we were probably lucky that he had the time to be included in the Unbound Festival. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and he created this amazing piece called Bound 2, and there's everybody with their cell phones. It yeah. was kind of a, it, it got a lot of buzz, let's say. Yeah, 
And this I is mean, his tenth work for the company, actually. This this ballet creating about a cell phone. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I walk down the street sometimes, and I think, am I watching Christopher Bielden's ballet here? <laughs> because yeah. everybody yeah. is on their cell phone. I mean, they're bumping into each other. They don't pay any attention crossing the street. They, you know, it's amazing. But he created a, a very interesting work and beautiful work. Yeah, and then there's this moment when, in case there's anyone who didn't see it, they actually put the cell phones down and do lovely Christopher Wilden pas de deux. Yeah. So it's got a little of everything for us. But then they picked it up again. Yeah, well, because <laughs> that's the way it goes. Yeah. Um, okay, last but not least, the Bjork Ballet is coming back. Um, and that's toward the end of the season on uh, Program 6. Arthur Pita, who certainly knows how to make everybody's eyes open. That's right. And you have a particular affinity with this ballet, which well, we found kind of amusing. Björk is a countryman of mine, and uh, <laughs> he, uh, when Arthur wanted to use her music, uh, he was not getting anywhere with it and asked me if I could be able to help. So I wrote her a letter and, uh, uh, in Icelandic, <laughs> sent it to her, and I got respond by her assistant, I guess, in London, was very upset with that I was writing in Icelandic because he didn't understand what was in the letter. Would I please write in English next time? <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, she was thrilled and, and gave permission to use her music for that. And it was arranged, and, and it's, that's just a remarkable piece. So it'll be fun. That's it's, one of the things that the quotes about it is it's fun. Yes. And, and, and Arthur is has such an imagination that yeah. um, you don't know what comes next in that piece yeah. you know, and where is he taking us. And oh, yeah. yeah. So Different from anything else we did. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, so those five pieces from the Unbound Festival are, have found a home in our rep, at least for this season, and that's pretty exciting. I think that speaks really... It is, because when I created the season, it was before the festival had opened. Because I always have to think ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I had not allowed myself five places. I thought maybe three or four. You never know. You always take a chance. And then when, after the festival, I realized that I had to try to find places for more than three or, or four. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I managed five this season, and next season we'll probably more. Oh, terrific. Yeah. Well, there are other pieces on the season. Um, to balance all of these. I wanted to just highlight a couple. Um, one world premiere will be by Yuri Posakov, and it has now been titled Two United in a Single Soul. Yuri has been listed now for several years, and I can't remember exactly what year it started, but he is listed as choreographer in residence. Yes. That's an interesting concept. Not everybody quite gets it. What, would you describe what that really means to us? Well, Yuri is sort of still part of the company. You know, he used to be a, a, a great dancer uh, in his company. And uh, then he started to choreograph, and I encouraged him <laughs> to do that. So he's sort of still part of the family and, uh, and has had a lot of successes going outside and choreographing, both in Europe and other companies <laughs> in this country and in Russia. Uh, but so he is sort of our own 
resident choreographer. He can come whenever he wants and, and do something uh -huh. if he wants. This is the home team. Yes. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, Yuri's works, just a couple more work, words about it. Um, I'm assuming that it must be fairly close to finished. It's on program five, so that's only a few weeks away. Yeah. Um, he has done such a range. That's right. So Which does I this fit in into any category of his range? No. I mean, he, he, he goes from one place to another, which is, mm -hmm. to me, a sign of a choreographer mm -hmm. that is not always sort of in the same vein, it, it different. Um, so this new work is, is done. It was done this, mm -hmm. this summer. Uh-huh. And uh, we will pick it up very shortly and, and put it together again and get it ready for the stage. What music did he choose? What music did he choose? Um, I couldn't find that anywhere. Let me see. I, I should remember this. But it is since this summer. Um, I, I we can honestly, move on and it'll yeah, come back I, to you. I, I, um, because the, yeah, the other world premiere is by Liam Scarlett. And that's kind of exciting. This will be his third premiere work or commission for the company. Yes. And then, of course, who could forget Frankenstein? Absolutely. Which is a shared commission. Um, his works have, had, have been varied. This one, I notice, is to Rachmaninoff. Yes. Um, what side of Liam are we going to see this time? Um. Good question. And it's, it's hard to tell because when you see it in a studio, just being rehearsed, mm -hmm. compared to what we've seen of his other pieces being performed on the stage mm -hmm. with costumes and scenery. Mm -hmm. So um, each choreographer has their own style of choreography. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you see that in his choreography in this mm -hmm. new work. Uh, as for what it would have looked like in the end, yeah. I just have to wait to see it on the stage. Uh -huh. See what comes out. Well, it was interesting to me to see that you had scheduled two world premieres for this season, considering all of the excitement from last season. But Liam's work must have been in the works a couple years before that. Isn't that how the planning goes? Uh, yes. Uh, I had spoken to him about before the festival. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, looking, really looking forward to that. Um, his other works being... Hummingbird, which was very popular, yes, and Fearful Symmetries, which was very different and also popular, as I recall. <clears throat> the um, there are a few other returning works, and I don't want us to spend too much more time on all of those. You can research them in your programs, but um, the full-length ballets have always been something that you've attached a great importance to. Um, this season, we are doing not one, not two, but three full-length works, uh, which I'm sure provides its own challenges to the rehearsal schedules and to the company. Um, let's Going to the end of the season and tracing backwards, we are looking forward to seeing Little Mermaid again. Yes. Um, it hasn't been done since, I think, 2011, and there was a film made of it. That's right. Uh, with our dancers, if um, I remember. John Nomar right. chose this company to be uh -huh. have his work filmed, not 
not his own in, in Hamburg, which was not very popular, I think, back there. Oh, really? I was going to say it was uh, kind of cool. He, he was just in, in th thrilled with the way we did that ballet. And, and it's, it's such a dramatic ballet, even though it's Hans Christian Andersen, but the story is so touching. And um, I, I think it, it gives a great challenge to the leading role. Mm -hmm. And we see Heinlein here. So I wanted to bring it back yeah. and, and, and sort of remind everybody what this was that we had done earlier. And it really is a, it's a storytelling. It's a fairy tale. Yeah. But it's not a pretty story like a Sleeping Beauty story. No. no. And um, emphasis, they really, 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 we really, really discourage any children from coming. It's just too challenging. It's very adult themes. Yeah, it's not a Walt yeah. Disney. It's yeah, all. it's not a Disney Little no. Mermaid, really. Um, John Newmeyer is a very interesting choreographer. He's done such different things. Uh, we saw his Nijinsky yeah. last year. Mm -hmm. um, just a couple words about Mermaid before we move back to Sleeping Beauty. Well, Mermaid is, is, is uh, like I said, Hans Christian Andersen's story that uh, the mermaid falls in love with this prince mm -hmm. and she wants to be a human. Mm -hmm. And she goes into uh, great lengths to achieve that where her feet are yeah. sort of attached to her and, and, and it's, it's, it, she's not herself anymore. And, and, and she did this for the love of, of him, and, mm -hmm. and he's not interested. And, and, and he did the scenic effects himself, is that right? Yes, he does everything. And it's fantastic. Yeah, John does everything. He Just does the amazing. costumes, he does the scenic elements. He's an extremely talented uh, choreographer and one of the most well-known in the mm -hmm. world. And his mm -hmm. work is performed everywhere, you know, from, from, the, from Asia to Europe to America, everywhere. Well, a little sooner than Mermaid, we get to see our wonderful Sleeping Beauty again. Um, we saw it last season. Right. Um, we've heard you talk about the value of doing the classics many times, but um, just, a, you know, the it's, elevator speech. It's, it's very necessary for the company to dance <clears throat> something like Sleeping Beauty because it's so challenging in a, in a classical vocabulary technique that you can only get better and stronger dancing mm -hmm. those ballets. And, and they need to experience them. Um, they are... Well, I think this production is very, very beautiful. It was done by yes. uh, Jan Siago Morso. Mm -hmm. um, it was uh, later on taken up in, in the Royal Theatre in Copenhagen and, and, mm -hmm. and televised there had a big success. But I think mainly for the dancers to, and so many dancers get an opportunity to dance different roles all through the ballet. And um, in many ways, I always found it more difficult uh, than Swan Lake. It just technically is more difficult, it's more challenging for the dancers in general, not only just for the leads, right. but for it, all the secondary yeah, roles. Yeah, all the secondary roles yeah. are so... And again, you have to experience this as a dancer. Yeah. You have to go through it. Yeah. It only makes you better and stronger. Well, that prepares us in a way for 
the piece de resistance. Here we are with Don Quixote. Oh, yes. Um, which many of you will be staying to see this evening. Um, I love Don Quixote. It's being advertised as the ballet's rom-com. Um, well, it, it's, it's fun. It has humor in it, a lot of humor. And even though some of the, tech, uh, the dancing is quite challenging, it has to be shown in a way that it's like, oh, this is nothing. I can do this. A show-off. It gives a, a dancer a great opportunity to really show off what they can do technically and, 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 and also storytelling-wise. Mm -hmm. One of the things I remember from my very first impression when we did it in, I think it was 2003, they never, they being the, comp, the company, the ensemble, never stops dancing. It is the danciest yes. full-length ballet yes. I think I've ever seen. There's a lot of dancing there, yeah. And it's just, um, as you were commenting with Sleeping Beauty, this work also has some outstanding roles for soloists, for featured yes. soloists. But also, don't forget, like Don Quixote is so much, so much reliant on, on style, mm -hmm. which in this case is sort of a Spanish style. Yeah. And... It's very opposite Sleeping Beauty, which has a different style. Mm -hmm. And again, this is just another experience that dancers have to go through to learn different styles. Because if you don't apply that well to the roles, mm -hmm. then it sort of doesn't look like very sure. much. So it's more about the storytelling yeah. and in a place as well as yes. the time. Um, there's, a, I think, in some of the... yes. Speaking of characters, here's our wonderful, um, the, the comic character of the night is Gamash. Yes. Who is, and I might comment also, it's been noted that the Don Quixote story that is lifted out of the novel, it's only three chapters of a very long novel, um, is very much based on the Commedia dell'arte um, stock characters that are so familiar. Yeah, I, know, yeah you, I think you're right about that. Yes. And uh, so we have the suitor, and we have the um, the father, the, the girl who is who is doesn't want to marry the suitor, and we have the father, and who wants her to, and um, all of that. Um, one of our favorite moments in the whole piece, um, the character of Sancho Panza is a fabulous comic role yes. for a couple of the dancers in the company, yes. for three. Um, Which they don't get many opportunities to do uh, comic right. roles. It's, there are not too many in the ballet and, Yeah. And um, speaking of one of the, the um, solo parts, which is almost always taken by a principal dancer, is Mercedes. Yes. And she has to do... Um, I think the, the role is sort of known for the crunching back bends. <laughs> so only the girls with the strongest and most flexible backs get cast in that part. Yes. Um, that's an interesting part. The uh, Gypsy Queen. The Gypsy Queen. Yeah. And it's almost um, all of these old 19th century ballets are just riddled with non sequiturs, let's say. Um, there's not a whole lot of logic 
to her no, but appearance. It, it, it adds to the to the scene that is taking place. And it's a fun solo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the dancers who do it just eat it up. Eat it up <laughs> as while they're eating up the stage. Yeah. It's really quite. Um, here's another one of those solos, uh, Little Cupid, which is a fabulous, hard, hard yes, variation. It's, it's so. It's so fast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have to move very, very fast mm-hmm. and in an articulate way. Yeah. Um, and uh, what else do I have? Um, it's, it's a very 19th century classic work in that they're in the middle of this fabulous Spanish setting, storytelling is a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. And we have a bunch of supernatural creatures, <laughs> the dryads. Yeah. That's that's what ballet is sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's beautiful dancing. And look at those little children. There we were talking about how the kids in the school right. get the opportunity to perform. Sure. And that's what hopefully piques their interest in continue studying and, and becoming a, a professional dancer. Be fun to do to follow one of them and see if, you know, one of those little girls makes it through the different ranks. Yeah. Um the wedding potage is the it's the ultimate moment, and it is the most familiar piece in all of the ballet canon. I'm absolutely sure. Um, we have just about like one or two more minutes. When you and you co-choreographed this, you and Yuri worked on it together. Yes. Um, talk about your decisions to take this old 19th century work and make it exciting and wonderful and palatable for our um, 21st century audience and to give your dancers that much fun? Well, uh, first of all, it gives so, uh, a lot of opportunities for dancers to dance mm-hmm. different roles. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, rather diffi- different full length, let's say, from Onegin or, or Swan Lake or anything else. So we want to do something different. Um, I felt that we could um, go with the, the traditional version that Yuri knew, mm-hmm. particularly the first act. Um, we did some, I did some additional choreography and so did Yuri. Mm-hmm. And, and also just to keep the pace moving, you know, mm-hmm. not to s- slow down here and there, but to keep it rolling keep the tempos up to sort of a good um, speed without being too fast. Mm -hmm. But that sort of creates also an excitement, what's going on on stage. But he and I, we we did some additional choreography Mm -hmm. in the second and third act. The dance that the um, um, couple, that Kitri and Basilio, do in the gypsy encampment. Was that one of the interpolated pieces? Did you choreograph that? Yes. The um, sort of a seguidilla romantic part You mean the, the gypsy camp? In the gypsy camp. Yes. But for the, the lovers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, moves the story along a little bit. Yes, and also um, <clears throat> first act, they are they are sort of challenging each other, you know. And everybody is urging them on. The father's trying to separate them. And so finally, in the second act, they sort of 
get to know each other and, and it's quieter and you know they fall in love and, and, and uh, so I needed to have that different from first act mm -hmm. and the third act well, we are reaching the end of our time, and I just want to say the audience is going to, those of you who are staying for the performance or coming back later in the week, um, are going to have more fun. It is just absolute delight from beginning to end. And as you mentioned, it moves along. The pace is incredible. And the music is toe-tapping. I've been humming it all day today, which is crazy. Um, so... All I can say to wrap that up is I can't say go and enjoy. You will enjoy. I know you will. I also want to say thank you, Helgi, so much for taking the time sure, during the busy first weeks of the season to sit with us and look ahead no, at the of course, season. Of course. Final word of choreography for you all. Remember, if you are not attending this evening's performance, to exit as quickly as you can out to your right and surrender your little pass. And I bet that if you went out to the box office, there might be a seat that you could snag for this evening's performance <laughs> if you were all excited about it. Thank you all very much for your thank attention. You. Thank Thanks you again, Helgi. Sure, thank you, Mary. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.